Well, welcome to the Family Fellowship Service. Almost halfway through, and you guys can go home. Um, but we're going to take some time to look at God's Word. And uh, I picked this passage tonight because it had recently, um, January was um, our spiritual disciplines focus of what? Worship, right. And so... Uh, my family, we were at, at dinner time, we were going through some things, we were, and uh, we came across this passage in Scripture that had a profound effect on us. I think every single one of the kids had, um, was interacting with the lesson and the story, and uh, just had some really great insights, and I have not been able to get this passage out of my head since then. And so, tonight I'd like to just present or walk with you guys together through this passage from Luke 10, 38 through 42, which is about worship, really, um, first and foremost, but also has implications for fellowship and for prayer, which we'll be looking at in March. And so, um, before we do this, let's take uh, some, some time to just pray. And ask the Lord to bless His Word. Dear Heavenly Father, You have written down these things for us to read and to hear, to listen to, to meditate on, and to obey, ultimately, for the purpose of Your glory and the greatness of Your kingdom and to further Your message on the face of this earth. And so tonight we ask that You would impact us through Your Word. I pray, Lord, that um, uh, as we look at your life and the life of some of your friends, that we would see ourselves in the pages of these scriptures and in this story, and uh, that we would see the implications that it has for our lives. And we ask these things in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. We have the passage, I believe, written down for you guys to follow along. Taken this from the ESV, um, but it's virtually unchanged in the NASB with the exception of a few words. But here is the text before us. Now, as they went on their way, and this is Jesus and those who were following him, his disciples, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed her into her house, welcomed him into her house, and she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. There's lots of people involved at the beginning of this passage, but Luke mentions only three characters. He mentions Jesus, Martha, and and two sisters, Martha and Mary. Jesus had entered a village. We find out in other passages that uh, this village was Bethany because Mary and Martha lived with their brother Lazarus in Bethany. 
And as he was taking a walk through Bethany, Martha steps out of her door and invites this teacher, this rabbi, who has made such an impact on the community, into her home to serve and um, bless him and those who he is teaching. And so Jesus comes in and because we see Mary sitting down and listening, we can assume that Jesus is continuing in his teaching, maybe answering questions, but certainly proclaiming truth and talking. No idle word came out of the the mouth of Jesus. And here is Mary sitting at his feet. There are two sisters here with completely opposite responses to Jesus. Mary sat and listened to him. Now, we don't see the impact of that description of Mary because we live in the 21st century. But to sit and listen, to be described as someone who sits and listens to a rabbi would be one who was a, a male follower of a scribe and a rabbi. Someone who sat and listened to him would, would have been a man. So for Luke to describe Mary as a disciple gives great honor to women in this passage. And certainly he is describing Mary as the disciple of Jesus. She sits and listens to him. Martha, on the other hand, we get most of the description between the two sisters about Martha. It says Martha was busy with much serving. She's bustling here and there. Have you ever been in this situation? You're doing something. Maybe it's a, serve, a ministry service opportunity. Maybe it's... Um, making dinner at home. Maybe it's a project that you're working on in the garage and you have somebody there to help you. And you're busy and evidently, you know, Martha was in the kitchen so we can assume she's making food. She's preparing, you know, whatever they prepared for rabbis when they entered into your home. She's sloshing around the water. She's putting the wood in the fire. She's trying to get all this stuff all the, t- all the while glancing over. And what is her sister doing? Sitting and listening. Now, in Martha's mind, Mary is doing absolutely nothing. Right? She's sitting there. She might as well be in the other room playing video games as far as Martha's concerned. And she is doing all the work. You've been there, right? You're doing all the work. Um, she's lifting pots. She's stubbing her toe as the, as the temperature in the kitchen ramps up. So the temperature of her emotions is ramping up, right? To the point where she finally has had enough. And she storms out into the other room. And she confronts not Mary, but who? She confronts Jesus. Mary has a complaining heart. She comes to Jesus complaining about her sister. Jesus, I am in there working 
hand over foot, in case you haven't noticed, with all the banging and clanking and the heavy breathing, all the, you know, you can just hear it, right? And she is sitting here, Jesus, just sitting here doing nothing. And then she has the audacity to order Jesus to tell Mary to get back to work. This is a classic case of sibling rivalry. And how many times have we heard the words, it's not fair, right? Martha is saying, it's not fair. I'm doing all the work. And you can kind of see your point, right? right? I see your point at the surface. But what she doesn't realize is she has laid down the gauntlet to Jesus and asked him to make a judgment call between two sisters. Now, parents, don't we try to play both sides, keep everybody happy? We try to affirm both. I see your point. Let's see. Okay, let's make a compromise here. Jesus makes no compromises. He starts by calling her name. Now, I would think that this would start off as an encouraging word to Martha. I mean, Jesus knows my name. And he did know her name. But Jesus says her name two times. And anybody who's studied scripture long enough knows that when Jesus uses your name two times, (laughs) you're in trouble, right? This is the equivalent of go to the principal's office, you know? Martha, Martha. Jesus has suddenly turned serious. You know, it's not described in the text, but I would imagine that she interrupted a conversation, interrupted Jesus' teaching. Her needs were so important, and what she was doing was so important to her that she disrupted the entire point of Jesus' ministry. What does Jesus say to her? Starts with her. Doesn't mention Mary yet. He says, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion. And let me paraphrase his last comment. So no, Martha, I will not take away the good portion from her. You can almost see Martha's eyes go from Jesus down to Mary. You know, if this was a movie, the camera would swing from Martha's face down to Mary's face. And I would imagine that Mary is still just enamored with her Savior, listening to every single word. Jesus here makes a very clear contrast between the sisters' choices and only Mary's choice did he qualify as a good choice. Have you ever been serving or doing something that you've committed yourself to and found yourself anxious or troubled? Raise your hand if that's ever been you. (laughs) 
I'm guilty as charged as well. Anxious and worried, bothered, um, just caught up in the anxiety and the worry of everything you're doing. Jesus would say to you, you're worried and you're anxious about many things. I used the word busy earlier, but Jesus doesn't use the word busy. He's not rebuking Mary for being too busy. He's rebuking her for being worried and anxious in her service. And he would say to you, those who may point at the person who doesn't seem to be doing anything, get in and start doing the work. That person is just always worshiping. It doesn't seem like that person's doing anything. Um, I, I hear the words of myself, you know, if everybody just sat and listened to Jesus, nothing would ever get done, though. Right? If um, to sit in a prayer meeting for an hour is so boring, I got to do something. I talk with the leadership of the, the prayer ministry, and that's the constant concern and lament as, uh, is when invited to a prayer meeting, oftentimes they hear, ah, but I have this to do and this to do and this to do, or I've got these other things. Maybe, you're, maybe your excuse is, you know, Jeff, I'm just wired to serve. You know, this is just me. I'm just busy. I am a type A personality. I'm just a worker bee. You know, sitting down and just praying and meditating and listening to Jesus, um, that's not the way I serve. That's not the way I worship. I, I worship here. Well, Jesus doesn't take that excuse. Look at what he says. Look in verse 42. One thing is necessary. Mary has, what's the next word? Anybody who knows grammar, what kind of word is that? It's a verb, isn't it? A verb is active, isn't it? There's a volitional choice that Mary has made to sit at the Savior's feet and to listen to him. Jesus is saying the opposite is true, Martha. You have chosen to be anxious. Well, no, actually she chose something different. If we go back, verse 40. Can you go back to verse 40, Ruth? But Martha was what? Distracted with much serving. And her distraction led to two things. Anxiety and being troubled. Mary was not distracted. Mary was focused on Jesus Christ and listening to Him. 
may not have looked very active from Martha's point of view, but there was, believe me, a lot of activity going on in Mary's heart and her devotion to her Savior. Jesus is not knocking service. He says over and over again, right, I came, some examples, I came not to be served, but to serve. To the disciples, you want to be great in God's kingdom, learn to be the servant of all. He's not knocking service at all. He affirms it. What he's knocking is when your service becomes a distraction to worshiping Jesus Christ. He's rebuking us from making service a distraction. You know, there's lots of things that are available to do to serve the Lord. So many things to be done around here. I could give you a list. Any of the elders could give you a list of things. When you become a member, we give you a two-sided, one-page sheet of things to do. So many things in our life, even apart from this place, scream for our attention, right? But Jesus says that only one thing is necessary. That means that everything else is not necessary. One thing is necessary. And Mary had chosen it. We see, um, the next time we see Mary and Martha is after the death of Lazarus. Who's the first one to run to Jesus? Martha. She'd learned a lesson, hasn't she? And she comes to Jesus knowing he's the difference maker. He could have changed. He could have done something. The third time we see them is after Lazarus has been raised. Mary, Martha is not mentioned. She's learned to keep her mouth shut. But Mary again is mentioned. And she's described as taking a vial of pure nard, which would have been worth the average um, annual salary. And she dumped it on on Jesus. The only one we hear from in uh, response to that was Judas, who thought this is a ridiculous waste of money. But Jesus rebuked and affirmed Mary again. And he knew what Mary knew. Mary was preparing her Savior for burial. Jesus' own words declared it. Mary knew something about her Savior. This wasn't a blind following of a teacher who just taught her how to live her life and how to be a good person. He didn't just teach her good information and confirm prophecies and this and that. This was her Savior. And here she was at, her, at his feet again, pouring an extravagant amount of money onto Jesus. What have you chosen? This room is, family fellowship service is typically the core of Calvary Bible Church. I'm speaking to the servants of this body right now. 
I'm speaking to myself because this is God's word speaking to me too. And all of us stand here under this text. And the question is, what have we chosen? I am so glad that all of you guys are serving and doing the work of ministry. But if any of your service has distracted you to the point of anxiety and troubled spirit and and distracted you away from Jesus, the matzo balls in the kitchen can wait. And I want you to spend some time sitting at Jesus' feet and listening to him. All the other stuff is not necessary. Only one thing is necessary. I want to give you an assignment, and this is where our fellowship stuff comes in. In your small groups, fellowship groups, Sunday school groups, Bible studies, one-on-one discipleship, I want you guys to somehow work in um, asking one another these questions. What are you distracted by? Some of us have been in small groups and discipleship groups and discipleship relationships for so long that we, um, it just becomes rote. And we just, it's something we do. And um, we can get anxious and troubled and sometimes, sometimes appropriately, these opportunities are times to kind of work out how to make your life work. But a lot of times, it's Mary just complaining, right? Jesus would enter into all of those groups and discipleship opportunities and say, you're distracted from me, and only one thing is necessary. Can we do that as a body in our relationships and our friendships and our groups is to challenge one another? Do you think if we lived our, our lives like this, it would make an impact? It would be, we would be different people? If we just sat at the feet of Jesus and listened to him? You know, the psalmist in Psalm 27 says, One thing have I desired. One thing do I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord and behold the beauty of the Lord and dwell in his temple. May that be our prayer. Not to come to church to see our friends, not to feel good that we've done our duty, not to fill in, you fill in the blank, but to sit with one another as a body, as brothers and sisters, and sit and worship the Lord. I bet you, after Jesus talked to Martha, I bet you she dropped the bowls and sat right now next to her sister. I don't know that for sure. But she certainly learned it between the time of this story and the next time we see her in the scriptures. Now the next, one of the, one of the last times we see Mary and Martha, they are following behind their Savior. And once again, Mary is looking up at her Savior. But he's bleeding and he's dying. And he's dying for Martha's sins of being distracted and anxious and troubled. 
and he's died for your sins. If the weight of this scripture convicts you and you're feeling shame and guilt, let me just say that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. The very sins that you're ashamed of right now. Paul tells us that we are not condemned by them at all. And the sins tomorrow and the sins next week and a year from now. Those sins are already paid for and there is no condemnation. We'll never, ever be punished for them. We'll be disciplined. We'll be nodded and prodded and nudged by by the good shepherd's rod. But we will never see punishment for those who are in Christ who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ, who have committed to the one thing necessary. So that's our word for you today. And thank you, kids, for bringing to my attention some of these things. Um, And may that be our active work, our choice. It's a volitional choice to sit at the feet of Jesus and listen to him. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, We certainly identify with Martha. I see more of myself in Martha than I do in Mary, and and it's likely if I do, there's others in this room too. And my prayer, Lord, our prayer, is that you would work in our hearts and um, conform us to your image so that we would identify with Mary and we would grow. Help us to um, sit at your feet and listen. For some of us, it's going to take you grabbing us by the lapels and shaking us awake. And I pray, Lord, that you would wake us up, that you would make us alert, that we would open our eyes, that we would have eyes to see and ears to hear. Shake us from our complacency, that we may dwell on you at all times. In Jesus' name, amen.